We've got some teachers uh, who are finishing their student teaching, maybe their second year of it, who've never had a regular school experience as a professional teacher. Their experiences, their, their student teaching was teaching on Zoom. Welcome to Education on the Rocks. I'm your host, John Bullock, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, George Hegarty. George, how are you doing today? I am doing excellently. How are you, John? I'm pretty good. It's been a while since uh, we've been together. We took, uh, as we were planning this, we're like, well, let's just tell people we took a ski week, and then next thing you know, we had a pre-spring break week. But um, you and I have been busy uh, with our various various jobs. What uh, Tell the folks, give the folks a little bit of an insight into what's keep you busy the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those where I think that, you know, kind of as, as all the world, but then particularly in ed- the educational world is kind of planning to transition um, again uh, during the pandemic, which I think has been the uh, major theme of our entire podcast that um, I've been kind of planning for the spring, but then also working on some projects that I think that will, you know, come into fruition maybe a year from now, which is always a strange, having worked in um, high schools my entire life, the fact that uh, I'm planning something a year in advance seems really strange. How about you? What have you been doing? Well, as you know, I tend to be a glutton for punishment. So I I took on a couple extra jobs uh, at our charter schools. And so I find myself... um, not only serving as the uh, executive director, but I'm also the business manager and the human resources manager now. Uh, so I've, uh, I'm working to learn new things. Uh, so that's, that, that's keeping me plenty busy right now. And uh, you're like in a perpetual cage match. <laughs> like they just, or the Royal Rumble where they just keep throwing in people against you. Yeah. Every, every, every 90 seconds, a new challenger emerges. <laughs> So, uh, with more, uh, with longer and uh, extensively greasier hair. So that sounds fun. Yeah, it's it's a great life that I chose for myself. And, and but you know what, we get to do this podcast and uh, exactly. I've been looking. For, I missed it, so I'm glad we're talking again. Yeah, I agree. So um, this is the is it the cool <laughs> sub edition, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we do the introduction. But uh, this is called Education on the Rocks, and so one of the important questions is, uh, what are you drinking today? I've got a bottle of uh, Old Forester 1870 original batch, and I've got it on the rocks tonight, and it's a really a smooth drinking. Uh, for a bourbon, it's only 90 proof, so it smooths it out a little bit, which makes it nice. And uh, kind of what uh, Old Forester says about it is that this whiskey is distilled by us only, and we are responsible for its richness and fine quality. Its elegant flavor is solely due to the to original fineness developed with care. There is nothing better in the market. So I'm not positive that that's entirely true, but it is actually a really good sip. So what about you? What do you got going tonight? That is awesome. I am going with a Central Oregon Classic. I am shooting a Crater Lake Rye, and I'm backing it with a Boneyard uh, RPM IPA. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're breaking new ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I am. I, we're recording this in my. Uh, I, I'm in my uh, studio office here in my house, and um, I've got. Uh, let's just say a shot, uh, but you can add your s's of the rye and the and the can of boneyard, and 
I, there's part of me that feels like I should be wearing flannel. I think definitely flannel. And also, I think that's a testament to your week already. <laughs> yes, exactly. When you're back in with an IPA, that's impressive work. <laughs> so for those of you listening, hey, listen, we will... Uh, we like to uh, consume our whiskey. We're not afraid to back it with uh, IPA. And uh, if you want to be a part of this, ship us your favorite bottle or make us a recommendation. We'll, we'll test it. We'll tell you what we think. For sure. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're so glad you joined us. Uh, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back and appreciate you joining us. This is Season 3, Episode 32, which is hard to believe, uh, the Is It the Cool sub-edition. want to remind you that you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us um, on our website at educationontherocks.com, and you can also follow us on social media, and we'll give you those, uh, those tags later. But uh, I did want to say, George, we gave a shout-out to uh, one of the people that gave me a bottle, Mark, my friend Mark, who gave me a bottle of whiskey. We, we got a shout-out uh, uh, we gave a shout out to him and he uh, reached out and told me he appreciated that. So we know we got oh, people sweet. listening. So uh, those of you that are out there listening, if you want a shout out, send us whiskey. We'll, we'll talk about you and we'll say nice things too. Exactly. And if, uh, if, you, if we know you're listening and you don't send us a bottle, we'll probably talk about you too. <laughs> Mainly off the air though. Yes. Always <laughs> off the air. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we've got a great show for you today. We're excited to talk about uh, the cool subs. Um, but right now, we want you to take a pause, take a sip, and we'll be right back with Education on the Rocks. On August 6, 1991, the first website was created on the World Wide Web. Now, in 2022, there are billions of websites online. And did you know that 55% of small businesses don't even have a website? Well, at Mooney Marketing, they lift your business to the next level by designing your business an affordable, mobile-friendly website with professional business photography, video production, SEO, design concepts, and color schemes. As we venture into the next stage of the pandemic, customers and consumers are still searching online for products and companies, now more than ever. This Redmond-based marketing firm also offers logo design, advertising, branding, storytelling, and social media marketing services. For more information on Mooney Marketing, check out their website at mooney-marketing.com or give them a call at 541-280-7412. Welcome back to Education on the Rocks. This is the Is It the Cool sub-edition. So three seasons into Education on the Rocks, we realize that we haven't spent a moment yet talking about what happens when teachers aren't in the classroom. Regardless of our educational experiences, we've all spent periods of entire days with substitute teachers. Often these teachers were nameless, their sole titles being any descriptor plus sub. You know, the tired sub, the coffee drinking sub, the newspaper reading sub. We're sure that you're picturing someone from your educational past who came in to turn on the projector, press play on the VCR, insert the DVD, or start doing magic tricks to prepare for their night gig. Today, because of increases in teacher absences, substitute teachers are in the news because the country has a shortage of people who can or want to do what we see as one of the oldest, if not the oldest, gig economy jobs in our culture. Today, we're talking about what happens when the teacher's gone and the sub's in charge, and what happens when there aren't enough subs to fill this teacher absences, as we ask, hey, is this the cool sub? So, George... Let's just start with this. Have you ever been a substitute teacher? <laughs> I, I have, but in a very controlled environment. So <laughs> I don't know if it counts. I, I think that my only substitute work really was when I was student teaching. And my um, 
kind of my lead teachers were out for whatever reason, which seemed to increase the more kind of adept I became uh, in my kind of student teaching mode uh, that I would just sub for them. And, and I'm, I mean, I got paid, so I guess it was legal, but I'm not positive that it was exactly, uh, you know, it was licensed the way it should have been. How about you? Have you subbed? You know, similarly, my only substitute experience was within my my job as a teacher. Well, actually, not even as a teacher. My substitute experience mainly comes as an administrator. I remember uh, when I was an elementary school principal, I had to sub occasionally for a teacher um, in in grade level classrooms. And sometimes as a high school administrator, I subbed in uh, in classes. And I, I, I think my substitute experience as a principal was different than the sub experience that substitute teachers ex- have, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, the principal's here. And so it either meant uh, abject torment or complete silence, right? Depending <laughs> on the, the student population. Exactly. Yeah, that's when this principal's in there, you just definitely don't want them to know your name. I think when you're the student, you're just like, ah, don't call on me, please. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting. I mean, substitute teaching is a is a special art. I mean, it is it requires someone with incredible patience, incredible compassion, incredible flexibility to come in and try and uh, you know fill the gap for uh, a regular teacher. And one of the things that always strikes me is that our classroom teachers we we harp on the idea that we need them to build relationships with students. And substitute teachers come in and they're there for a day or two days or three days or off and on. And they work really hard to build those relationships, but it's a different kind of relationship, right? And um, to me, subs, substitute teachers are some of the most um, uh, unsung heroes of the education world. I mean, what, oh what do you gosh. think? I can't, even, I can't even tell you. I, I actually feel guilty when I think back uh, on the lesson plans that I left for subs over, over my career where I just think, Oh my gosh, I can't believe with no kind of foundation with these students, I've asked you just to jump in and do this with them. It actually, it was probably cruel on my part. And it was just kind of that idea of like, Oh, this is what I was going to do after having eight months of having known the students or something. Yeah. From your end as, as a teacher in the system, how, how did the substitute teacher system work for you? You mentioned sub plans, but like walk people through, what does it, what does it look like to, to have a substitute teacher? Yeah. I mean, for most of us, there are two types of absences that you have. There's kind of a professional development absence, which you have a lot of lead time on that. And so I would, for those type of absences, I would kind of curate my courses so that I knew that the day that the substitute was there, I would put them in a position where it might've been an assessment day of some sort where they could kind of introduce themselves and then just kind of be present. Um, But then the other type of sub is, is that emergency sub where you're actually getting in the system sometimes at five o'clock in the morning when you wake up and, and you have the flu or something and you haven't written a lesson plan, or you haven't written a lesson plan for anyone else to execute, and you're sick, and you're just throwing something out there because that goes into the computer, and then that gets spit out into the sub-universe, and someone decides like, hey, yeah, I'm going to pick up that job for the day, and then they show up, and your plans in whatever semblance they are are there along with 
I remember we always used to have to turn in seating charts, you know, <laughs> to the office just in case. And I'm sure those were really, you know, the students knew well to sit in the right desks uh, when I wasn't in there because right. I, did, I did that as a student in high school. I know. I think about the experience as a student having a substitute teacher. And I, I always, you know, you would know when the substitute walked in, you'd be like, oh, I know what this is going to be like, right? Like, <laughs> totally. And, and what strikes me now as an administrator in the public school system is that, you know, we have students in class for 170 days, 180 days a year, uh, you know, whatever the the exact number is, depends on where you are. But, you know, that those days are precious. And every time a substitute teacher comes in, there's that entire process of they have to build relationships, know the students, get the students to do the work. And, you know, great substitute teachers can can fill in almost seamlessly, but even great substitute teachers it's hard to have that continuity of learning. And so um, I think that's one of the things that makes teaching difficult is that teachers are really difficult to replace, right? Because they've done the legwork to build relationships, set up systems, procedures that we all know are important for students. And then it's disrupted by having someone in there. So to get a good sub is, uh, is like gold. Yeah. And I think that that is... You know, a lot of times, too, is that the subs that people rely on are teachers who retire and then aren't quite ready to be done teaching. They just want to do it on their terms. And if they want to teach that week, they will. And that those those, those subs are really hard to come by. But a lot of times, like, like you're saying, you just kind of throw, especially in those last minute situations, you're just throwing your kind of sub request into the internet and something comes out on the other end. Um, and students are, I mean, just like all of us, like, you know, we're pretty savvy and that students know, know how they're going to, they're going to navigate a particular, every sub situation. Right. And so what we're facing now during the time of COVID is we need more and more subs. There are more and more people out for, for their own sickness or for their child's sickness or their, uh, you know, spouse or partner sickness. So we have a need for more and more subs. And we're finding that there are teachers leaving the industry. And so there are teacher shortages. And now there are substitute teaching shortages as well. So what do you think that means for the American educational system when we have a sub shortage shortage moving forward? I mean, I don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. No. And, and I think it's, I think this is an important conversation that probably, you know, when we start thinking about teacher shortages and sub shortages, that it's kind of, it, I think even, I think the pandemic has kind of highlighted questions that would probably arise at some point, no matter what. And it is about the teaching profession and who it's attracting. And as kind of our population and our school going population grows and we have kind of a, like a baby boomer age teaching population retiring that I think that this is kind of the front end or kind of the pointy end of what could be a really intriguing challenge for public education going forward. And that um, I think that we've been lucky for a long time that, you know, we've been able to keep just because of um, funding and 
um, agreements between teachers unions and schools, like we've been able to keep um, class size relatively small. But at some point, if there aren't enough teachers, that that's not something that is possible. But it, it seems to be a massive demand from parents. What do you think? I mean, you see it from an administrative end. And I'm interested to see how you look at this. Well, I think one of the things that emerged from the pandemic was the idea that schools need to be open for multiple reasons. And only one of those is academics. They need to be open so that... Um, there's childcare. They need to be open so that the economy can be active, um, which is, is related to childcare. And so there's a need at a base level to have adults supervising children, period. And so the need for substitute teachers means that we need to have someone in a classroom, adult, a trained adult in a classroom to basically oversee the students while they're doing whatever it is they're doing. And so what's happened for us is we have started hiring people whose whole job in our system is to be a substitute teacher, right? Like we have full-time employees at our schools that are now simply the, the, the and simply is the wrong term, I apologize for that, but they're, they're the substitute for the building. And so anytime there's somebody absent, it's, it's our own sub. And so we've seen an increase in that, um, but what happens then is that we get enough teachers that are sick or that family members are sick. And so now our, our in-building subs are taking over courses for longer terms, which means we still have to find subs. And we've had days where we can't find a sub. And so we're grabbing any, any adult in the building to supervise students so that we don't have to close school. Yeah. And I think that that is because I think we've all been in those situations, right? Where, school is going to have to close because of X, um, even even before the pandemic, uh, because, you know, there are too many teacher absences or something like that, and we can't cover the subs. But we, we've never seen it at kind of like on a national systemic level, as we're seeing kind of again and again in the news over the past, you know, as, as students nationwide have been going back into school over the past months, that, um, you know, we're seeing stories out of almost every major metropolitan area that what you're explaining or what kind of what you're describing is happening. And, and I think that it does raise, like for us, when we talk about education on the rocks and, and what are some of those rocks, and it is like, what, who's going to enter, not only, not who's go, who wants to be a substitute, but like what, what, who's gonna enter the profession going forward. And I think that that's a really intriguing question um, for us to think about, because it seems like our teacher training programs aren't as packed as they were, you know, five or 10 years ago. Yeah, I think if there's anything that the sub shortage that we're experiencing, and, and we're seeing across the country where college students are becoming used as substitute teachers, we're seeing that um, anyone with a college degree can become a substitute teacher. We're seeing in some cases where you don't even need a college degree. You just need to pass a background check to be a substitute teacher. While that's happening, it is creating uh, quite a worrying trend for us. And your question is really good. I mean, is this shortage of subs a harbinger of future teacher shortages? And I think the answer is resounding yes. I, I think um, we're going to get to a spot in the next decade or so where the teacher shortage is, uh, it reaches crisis levels. Uh, and, and I think we're in the crisis right now 
because of the pandemic and, and, you know, needing subs in the way we do. But I don't see as many people necessarily entering the profession. And I certainly see numbers of people exiting it. Um, I think that, I think we learned as a culture, or at least as an industry, really how difficult this job of teaching is uh, during the pandemic and how it's not, it's the motivations for becoming a teacher sometimes tend to be this relationship you build with students, this, this culture that you have in the school and going on two years of having either schools closed or schools being remote. Um, there's a lot of young teachers who have never taught during what I would call a regular school year. And so they haven't developed that sense of like, Hey, this is a really awesome job because I'm surrounded by really good people, kids that are excited to be there. Um, and they haven't seen that. And so they're withdrawing from the workforce. I mean, I'm experiencing that in our, in our schools where we're having young teachers like, yeah, this just is not what I want to do. And so that, that social aspect and that, you know, rewarded, that reward aspect of having students care about you in return has, has not, it's not disappeared during the pandemic. It's just been difficult to have a consistent feeling of that. And I think we're seeing teachers walk away. And so I I don't think it's going to be a short-term recovery. I think it's going to be a long-term recovery for us. Yeah. I I like how you you kind of, I mean, I, I don't like it because I think it is, you know, it, it's it's um, upsetting that people are leaving the profession, but I like how you framed it around something that we, we haven't talked about on the show, and I don't even know if you and I have talked too much about it, but like staff culture is something that is really important, you know, and that the idea that your colleagues and that you kind of are hanging out and being able to share like the highs and lows of what it means to be in public education combined with being able to see um, events like productions or, you know, different kind of places where students can soar mm-hmm. that where they might not have that ability in your classroom, but to be able to show up on a Thursday night for something, some event of some sort and realize that, oh, these students who may struggle in your course academically see you as a human and see you supporting them. Um, and that that relationship, like you're saying, that that interpersonal relationship between teacher and student is strengthened, that we haven't had that in two years. And so I can see that a a profession that can be isolating, can be intensely isolating, um, has become more so, especially for young people who don't have something to compare it to, um, you know, young professionals who don't have something to compare it to from, you know, past uh, experiences thinking that, oh, we're eventually going to be in a place where it's better. Yeah, very few K-12 teachers that I know got into the profession because or solely because they were a content expert, right? They, the vast majority got into the profession because they love working with kids. They love the idea of inspiring the next generation to be their best selves. For me, I, I loved Shakespeare and I loved poetry, but what I loved most was working with adolescents to help them achieve things they didn't think they could possibly do. And during the pandemic, if teachers felt like they were just simply distributors of curriculum and not people that were guiding the future, 
I think a lot of them had a loss of spirit that is difficult to connect with, particularly if you've never had it before. And I think that's what we're starting to see. We've got a, we've got some teachers uh, who are finishing their student teaching, maybe their second year of it, who've never had a regular school experience as a professional teacher. Their experiences, their, their student teaching was teaching on Zoom. Yes, exactly. And and so to expect that person to be able to say, "Oh, this is such a rewarding profession where I'm making a difference in the world," is really hard to get them to buy into. And so I think the challenge for education moving forward is to embrace the technologies and embrace the different ways in which students can access the education, but never lose sight of the value of the human connection and the power of mentorship and the power of relationship. And I think if we can get back to that, the quicker we can get back to that, the quicker we can get past this shortage. But I think it's going to take a while. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up a point that I wanted to make that I think is a really interesting, I think it's an interesting cultural moment that we're at where I think you and I are both anticipating a major K-12 teacher shortage in the coming years, if not immediately. Um, I've had conversations because I, I am, uh, I know my voice might sound really young on, on the pod, but uh, you know, I've had, I am the oldest uh, person in my PhD program by decades. I think. <laughs> There's no one even, I mean, I, I think two decades would be the minimum. And I've had a number of conversations with people because the job market at the university level is horrible. And they've come in and talked to me and said, like, well, can you talk to me about your high school teaching experience? And what I've said, and it totally echoes the points that you've made, is that I said, one of the things that's beautiful is like where I'm in a system right now where I have 10 weeks to form relationships with my students, uh, most of whom I'll never see again after that, um, that when you work in a high school, often you will see those students at the beginning and then at the end of their high school careers, and, and you'll see them, them throughout. So you're able to develop true mentoring relationships. Um, and, you know, overwhelmingly, the, the salaries are competitive, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of like if you're going to work as an adjunct uh, in the university system, you probably are, you know, if you're thinking strictly from like a bottom line perspective, it's probably long term better to go into um, you know, and work in, in a, a system where you will be able to move along a salary schedule or work in a system where you're rewarded for the teaching you're doing. And so I think that this could be, um, and I'm very hopeful about this, and that this could be a time where we, we're going to re-inject, and I don't think this has happened since uh, the late 60s or early 70s, re-inject a lot of PhDs into the K-12 system. And it is, yes, they're subject area experts, but but it's also like they have a passion for teaching and learning that I think could be just an amazing boon for K-12 public education in the United States. That's fascinating. And it's a great jumping off point for us as we wrap up today's pod. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts as you listen in, uh, you know, do, do you... 
do your schools that where your kids go or where you work, are you experiencing a sub shortage? Have you ever subbed? Let us know. T- tweet at us. You can find me at Jay Bullock Speaks. You can find George at George underscore Hegarty. And let us know. Have you been a sub? What, what's the sub shortage like look like in your area? And what do you think the future holds for us? Uh, I'm excited for uh, for what it looks like. You, George, you're, this conversation originally for me, uh, I thought was going to be a downer, but you've given me hope. Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and that actually just came up the last week or so that these conversations have started happening. I thought, oh, this could be a really, really intriguing future. Well, we appreciate you joining us today in the present. We, uh, we enjoy talking about education issues. And of course, we enjoy our whiskey. We'd love for you to follow us on social media. We'd love for you to follow our website, educationontherocks.com. And of course, you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcast and feel free to uh, leave us a review and let us know how it's going. We'd, uh, we'd love your support as we continue to try and uh, grow this podcast so more people in the communities will talk about education and education on the rocks. Well, we're going to ask you now to take a pause and take a sip. We'll be right back with a segment we like to call After the Ice Melts. Welcome back. Well, we've had a shot of whiskey or maybe a couple, and we've talked about the education issues today. And now it's time to decide what to do next. And so this is a segment we call After the Ice Melts. So, George, my question for you is, what's next? What are you going to do after your ice melts? You know, spring has sprung down here in California, and uh, it's pretty amazing in terms of just things in bloom. And I think I've mentioned this on in the past that, you know, spending, you know, nearly two decades up in the high desert, that uh, the things that do bloom, it comes a little bit later in the year. And so tomorrow I'm actually... Uh, at UC Davis, there's a beautiful pathway through an arboretum and um, along kind of a little creek area. And so I'm walking with my uh, one of my mentors tomorrow. And so I'm looking forward to a really interesting conversation. This is a mentor I haven't met in person because she's been away um, for the entirety of the pandemic up to this point. And so um, I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful day, but then also just to have a conversation with someone um, who I really respect and admire. Um, that's that's kind of my plan. What about you? What do you got going? Well, that sounds awesome, man. So I, I always think people get a real picture of who you and I are when we do After the Ice Melts, yeah, um, because I'm going to try and find uh, the right setting on my easy chair so I can watch some CONCACAF Champions League soccer. Um that's the uh, competi- competition in, uh, you know, the, the uh, U.S., you know, the U.S. Federation of uh, International Federation. And it's, so the MLS teams go and play teams from uh, Caribbean and Central American uh, countries uh, to try and determine who's the best club team in the uh, region. And so I'm going to go watch the quarterfinals, leg one of the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF uh, Champions League. That's, that's my plan. Oh, yeah. I just I just pulled up the score. I won't tell you. Okay, I appreciate that. You, you yeah. know from um, I mean anybody that knows knows that uh, I will be rooting against Seattle. Um, my daughter now <laughs> lives in Seattle, uh, but nonetheless, I will be rooting for Lyon um, uh, every day and and twice uh, on this day. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's like I think that. I think, I don't know if I've mentioned on the pod, my daughter goes to Duke and I still can't. <laughs> still rooting against Duke. 
I cannot, I don't root against, but I can't root for. <laughs> so I think that puts me in hell, according to Dante's Inferno. There, you know, fence there you go. There you go. Well, hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you'll keep listening. Share, the, share our podcast with your friends, uh, your educational professionals. We'd love to hear from more folks. You can find me on Twitter at Speaks. You can find George at George underscore Hegarty. So let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you're doing after the ice melts. But thanks for joining us. We'll be back again sooner than this last time uh, to talk more about education issues and more about whiskey. Until then, uh, take good care of yourself and everybody else and uh, have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to Education on the Rocks. You can connect with us on Twitter. George is at George underscore Hegarty. And I am at Jay Bullock Speaks. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends. And please give us a rating on iTunes and leave a comment. Until then, look for us next week as we continue to discuss education on the rocks.